I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hello there, you're listening to Muses and Stuff. It's the podcast that's all about the dolls. They were the groupies, the wives, the girlfriends, and the muses who played such a huge role in rock and roll history by simply being themselves. They were sweet, sexy, brave, and powerful. They went after what and who they wanted and made no apologies. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Our guest this week is a super special one. It's like groupie Christmas. We have with us Agnes DeMarco. Hello. Hey, Agnes. Hi, Agnes. Thank you so much. Happy to be here with you. Oh, we're so excited. Yes, we are so excited for you to be here. Um, so just to introduce Agnes, you, from what I know about you already by having a few conversations and by reading about you, I can tell right away that you are exactly what um, this podcast embodies and represents. Sweet, sexy, beautiful, powerful, and fun, fun yeah. and ultimately inspiring. Well, thank you very much. That's, that's quite the handle, but that's <laughs> awesome. If the DeMarco name sounds familiar um, to our listeners, it's because, you know, if people listening to this podcast, uh, music podcast, and they're a music fan, then they will no doubt know the name Mac DeMarco, and uh, that is your son. That is my son. That's correct. <laughs> Yeah, he. Uh, I just came back from visiting him actually in Los Angeles. Oh, so lucky! You get a little little break from the uh, Canadian winter that we're going through right now. I ran away from Canadian winter this year. <laughs> well, actually, I ran away from Edmonton winter. I've been staying in Victoria with my cousin, but then I went down to see Mac for a couple of weeks in LA, and it was fantastic. Oh, good for you. And that's exactly what you should be doing, going to visit (laughs) Mac in um, sunny, beautiful L.A., I presume? Well, it was sunny for a few days. It was rainy, too, but it didn't matter. We went to shows and we hung out. And for me, it was an opportunity just to hang out with my son when he wasn't on the road and playing shows and doing you know, press interview after press interview. We did do a couple of them, but it was getting to see my son in his normal life and that was such a nice thing for me because it's been years yeah he's always busy now huh? 
he is he tours like a maniac. He's been all over the world five or six times, and he well tomorrow they're heading to um, he and Kira are heading to London for a week long press tour. He's doing a couple of shows in Europe, and then he's coming back, and then the big season starts again. So it's it's a lot, <laughs> you know. Yeah. We're looking forward to uh, seeing him when he's in Toronto next. Excellent. I think he is playing a Toronto date. I don't know exactly when it is, but I... Actually, because they sold out immediately. Oh my gosh, you're kidding. Within 10 minutes, my brother was talking about the show for weeks, and he had his finger on the button right when they went on sale, (laughs) and he went, Shanti, we're up in the balcony. (laughs) Oh my god, that's incredible. Well, you know, maybe he's going to have to start playing two shows in every town or three, uh, if that's what is happening, because you don't want to have to buy tickets from scalpers, you know? Absolutely, yeah. And he can yeah. sell them out now, so he should be doubling up for sure. Yeah, I'll mention that to his manager. <laughs> Thanks, Agnes. Plus, it would be probably more relaxing to be in one city for two days instead of one city and then another city the next. It's a pretty brutal touring schedule when he's on the road. Absolutely, yeah, it's just take a little breather yeah exactly exactly well I'm glad you guys are going that is so awesome I will tell him well I'm going to obviously tell his manager to tune into the podcast and uh check you guys out and we'll see where it goes from there but that's I think it'll be a fun show Oh, it sure will be. My brother has seen him so many times. He's, oh, really? My brother's a groupie. For, for my <laughs> That's perfect. That's perfect. That word groupie has such a bad sort of rap. And, you know, really, it's not a bad word. It's just, uh, I remember being crazy about so many bands when I was young. And I'm crazy about so many bands now. I think it's, I think it's got a positive spin these days on that word. I have my arms up in, in the hallelujah. Um, <laughs> you, you said exactly what we're trying to do here is just bring it back to the positivity and what it, it's meant to be about and how it covers yeah. all fans, not just, it's not just a sexual term. No, exactly. Exactly. I mean, that was sort of a thing, I guess, in the 60s, 70s, maybe even the 80s, and I imagine that goes on still, but I think there's a whole movement of people who just love the new music and connect to it and are excited about it. There's a real excitement out there these days. So uh, those are the people to me that feel like groupies. (laughs) I agree, and that's what we were saying um, the last time we spoke, that it was just we feel such good things for 2017 in terms of um, the collective kind of conscious Mm -hmm. that everybody is feeling and how we're really taking pride in our artists and our musicians and we're really listening to them and putting faith in that and and owning our love and fandom for uh these people who inspire us yeah yeah it's it's very touching and you know i have to say that um for the artists themselves they do what they do and the fact that they affect so many people, I think, is as surprising to them as it is to maybe the people that are affected because it's they just do their thing. They are just creative. And the, the touching of other people's lives is a byproduct, and it's, um, it's humbling, I think, for a lot of them. Absolutely. It must be yeah. so special to... Like hear yeah. your words come back at you and see see it have meaning in other people's lives. Yeah, well, this is, I mean, I correspond with a lot of the kids that write in from the fan club, and I wish them all happy, I've been wishing kids happy birthday for years, it's just my thing, I just do it, because I appreciate my son's fans so much, you know, and the things that they write to me about are that they had a bad year, they were depressed, they were whatever, you know, um, broken hearted and one of Max's songs pulled them through and I just think that is so tremendous to me that's what it's all about and that's so beautiful that you get to share in that and they tell you all yeah stories. yeah well he's so busy but I have the time 
you know, I think at first when his career was just starting, he probably was in a lot more contact with fans than he is now. But I can still talk to people and, um, you know, on that sort of communication, the, the email level and stuff like that. It's I'm not too busy for that. Well, speaking of you, we definitely want to get into you. We want to know about you and my crazy life. Yes, yes. absolutely. Um, but Thank just you. before you get into that, what you were both talking about with um, the connection with people is growing up. My mom always told me, and her dad always told her, uh, "Reach out and touch somebody's hand. Make this world a better place if you can." Aww. Yeah. So we leave out in the darkness. I think that was a Melanie song. Yeah, that was my grandfather <laughs> quoting <laughs> Melanie. Well, it's your grandfather must have been a hippie, was he? He, no, my mom Probably was a hippie. Is. My mom was definitely a hippie. Or yeah. Oh no, you know what? No, it, that wasn't the one that my grandpa quoted. He used to always quote. Um, I once complained that I had no shoes until I met a man who had no feet. Ah, uh, yes, was I get his. that. That mm-hmm. was his, and then my mom's was the other one. Yeah, <clears throat> generational stuff. But you know what? It's, um, yeah, it's spreading the love is a good thing, and connecting with other people is what's happening now, and I really, it it's reminiscent to me of the, what was happening in the 60s, so yeah. I'm, oh, I'm on board with that. So, me, well, okay. <laughs> um, I was born in New York um, to two musician parents. My mom was an opera singer with the um, New York Met, and uh, she was introduced to my father, who was a jazz musician that grew up in the village um, through her coach, Lila Edwards. Uh, she, Lila was a, a coach for the New York Met. Metropolitan Opera. And so we lived in Brooklyn. Um, Mom and Dad had three daughters in Brooklyn, and then she just got really homesick and wanted to be back in Edmonton where she grew up. And my dad was, uh, he grew up in the village, so it was a really good opportunity for him to get out of the rat race of New York. And so they came back to Edmonton, and uh, that's where I grew up. And Edmonton was, I don't know, maybe 60,000, 70,000 people when we came back. It was 1959 when I came back to Canada. And uh, it was, music became a huge part of my life when I was a little girl. I was a ballerina, Mm. um, you know, from the time I was about four. And so there was classical music. There was jazz that we were exposed to. And... um, And then all of a sudden, the British invasion happened. The Beatles were on Ed Sullivan, and all of that stuff started pouring into everybody's lives, and it was so amazing. Um, I loved the Beatles. I was a total Stone, Rolling Stones girl. Okay, so who's your favorite Beatle? Were you a Paul girl? Oh, I loved the Beatles. You're George? You're a George girl. (laughs) Oh, you know, I would switch back and forth. I really love John Lennon. Oh, yeah. He's John. my favorite. Yeah. Absolutely. But I really loved George. I loved the shoes he wore in the movie Help. They were so cool. <laughs> he was just kind of quiet and sweet. And But I loved Paul, too. I mean, Paul was just, and look at him. He's still out there, you know? I know and I loved Ringo. I could do a very good imitation of Ringo, actually. <laughs> But, you know, I did all the stuff teenagers did, lined up to watch A Hard Day's Night and uh, went to the local venues that, that had sort of the underground music scene happening. There were so many bands that everybody was into. You know, there was a whole movement um, with, uh, like, Buffalo Springfield and... Um, but the the poppy stuff, Peter and Gordon, Chad and Jeremy, the Seekers, um, you know, the animals, the stones. There was just this huge thing that happened, and it started to change kids. Um, and then the hippie movement was in Edmonton. There were it was a small place, so there were about two thousand hippies in Edmonton, and everybody knew each other. <laughs> it was kind of amazing, and it was all centered around music. You know, we'd all go to um, the best places to hear local musicians play. We'd go to Zorba's, which was in the basement of a building on the university campus. We'd go um, 
downtown to the Hovel or the Forum or the Trocadero. And it was all the same kids that moved in all these circles um, listening to music. And music is what was connecting us and, you know, giving us sort of that sense of purpose. And uh, at that time, the Vietnam War was on and people had... um, you know, they were standing up for what they believed and using music to uh, as a platform for for social change. And I think that in a very subtle way, that's still going on. I mean, we're not burning bras these days. We're not um, holding big demonstrations. Well, except for the Women's March was kind of a big demonstration. But there's a subtle sort of um, a reaching out that's going on that I think is really incredible at this time in yeah i think uh with the state of things at the moment politically we'll probably see a lot more uh musicians using their platform uh, to get a message well i asked my brother i said okay so um father john misty josh tillman is what, mm-hmm. is he like because he's a he's a voice when he talks i don't want to hear what he's talking about. i want to hear what he's saying and i said so he's gonna have probably something new come out soon um where is he going for the third do you think that he's just going to be having fun do you think it's going to be silly again or, or but my brother predicted no i think he might be going political, political? i guess it depends on if he's going to use music that he's writing now or if that he's already written. Right? Do you think, I was just looking at um, a schedule for, or the lineup for a couple of the festivals that we have going this summer. And mm-hmm. on a festival lineup now, there are over a over hundred bands on a poster alone. Do you think that there's, because there's so many musicians and so many great artists and um, it's so accessible to get so many different kinds of music. It's not we're not just limited to the radio now, like in say like the nineteen sixties or just going to shows. Do you think that some voices get lost that way? Do you think that the message is as important or is as um, is as heard? I don't know if that makes sense. Well, I think yeah, I think I think the opportunities are much better for musicians um, because they can get on the internet and they can get an audience before they're ever known. Uh, I mean, Mac had a huge internet audience, and and people in Edmonton still didn't know who he was. You know, mm. um, I think it's a great opportunity for musicians, and I think that. There are a lot of talented kids. Now, not everybody hits it with great success. It's still um, kind of like the stars have to line up for you. You have to have everything in the right place, and then if you have brilliant luck, it all works. But I think these these festivals, I love these festivals with lots and lots and lots of artists because it exposes people to the huge variety of talent and the different styles of music that are out there. Um, Well, festivals like Coachella, what, what festival are you referring to? Um, Way Home Home was just announced, and Ottawa Blues Fest. Okay, yeah. And those festivals are usually held over a few days. Yes. Yeah, Yeah. which I think is a great way to do things, because you can have a variety of acts, and people sort of get comfortable. You actually make friends at those festivals. It's not like buying tickets for a concert where you sit in your seat and nothing happens. People dance at those festivals. They have a great time. There's food. Some of them you can have drinks at. I mean, it's just, I think it's a wonderful way to do things. Yeah, much more interaction. Yeah, much more interaction. And I think that if you are a little bit internet savvy, that you can get your music out there much more easily than before. Um, Some of the guys that came up in Edmonton, Ron Ralt and his brother Lionel, they had a band back in the 60s, Willie and the Walkers. These guys were so good. And they put out their own single and all that, which was a huge deal at the time. They went to New York. They came back. But in order to do anything back then, there was no internet. There was really nothing. You had to tour in all the small towns in Alberta, or wherever you could get to Alberta, BC, you know. Um, so it so 
reaching a, a, a huge segment of the population was just not as easy as it is now. There are people who look up music online from all over the world. Um, and so these tours that these kids do that are playing this music, they go everywhere. They don't just go across Canada or in their own province. They go through the States. They go to Europe. They go to Australia. They go to Singapore. They go to New Zealand. They go to Asia. They go pretty much everywhere. And and so the exposure has made it like a, a global community of great music. It's a fabulous thing. You're right. Absolutely. It is. Yeah, and you can go places and already have an audience, even if you've never played there before, because... That's right. Yeah. Very yeah, they already know your music, they already know your style, and they already want to see you play. So it's it's wonderful for these guys. So I think we left off, and you were going to shows in Edmonton, <laughs> right? Did you ever yeah. want to perform? You did by... Well, I did, actually. I did. Um, I was in a couple of bands when I was 18. I was in the front band because you put a mic in front of me and it's like, okay, let's go. Yeah, we can tell. I did some some singing, but I didn't want to tour. I didn't want to go to every little small town in Alberta and do cover material for weddings and in bars. And to me, it just seemed really lonely. Now, that maybe would have been different if the kind of opportunities that are available today are present. But I just, um, it wasn't for me. I wanted a different different lifestyle. So, yeah, so I did some performing. And then, I, I mean, I still, <laughs> I would jump up on stage with bands in... Um, now, let's see. That was, yeah, in the 80s. I was working in a hotel... Um, uh, just before I, I moved to Los Angeles in the 80s, I was working in a ho- the Whistle Stop Lounge, and there was a big um, place called the People's Pub, and bands would come in, and they'd let me get on stage and sing a couple of numbers, and, you know, I'd get off my shift, go sing, and then I'd go. Oh, <laughs> that is so fabulous. <laughs> yeah. But I'm from a showbiz family, so for me, that kind of stuff is just normal. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just what you do. And... Um, and easy. It's different. Uh, I guess for other people, it's not the same thing. But when you grow up with musicians and you're around that kind of lifestyle all the time, it's just it's just in your genes. I think. I love that. Yeah. You could always you could put a microphone in front of me, and I can blah blah blah. I don't mind talking. <laughs> I can give speeches. I can get up in front of crowds. Um, but then you ask me to sing a song, and you know, <laughs> no. I used to be a little shy about singing. I'm not anymore. But I think that's just because I'm older, and I don't really care if anybody likes <laughs> what I do or not. I'm just kind of passionate. It's like if you like me, that's great, and if you don't, that's cool. That's the best way to live. I'm trying to, yeah, I'm trying to grow into that myself. And I think, mm-hmm. yeah, and then as soon as you put yourself out there publicly as well, mm-hmm. um, we're realizing too, yeah, we're not everybody's cup of tea. But no. you know what? We're going to have fun. Mm-hmm. We're going to spread the fun. We're going to bring the party. We're going to get people excited. <laughs> and then the people who aren't into it, then they can just go. Listen to something else. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, and it's no reflection on you or what you do, and it, uh, yeah, it's, um, it takes a long time to come to that place in yourself. I think this generation of kids has a better sense of who they are. I really do. Um, I don't know. Been forced well, in a way, you know. Um, you think? I th- I'm, f- I'm feeling like a lot of the young people that I'm in contact with these days at 10 and 11 years old are much more aware of things that are going on around them in their lives, not just in their schools, but in the communities and in the world that, um, and like what other people are going through. And... Yeah. Well, when... yeah, it makes sense because there's nothing but information available. Mm-hmm. I, anybody can yeah. Google anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's always at your fingertips. 
Yeah. Yeah. And it's, yeah, there's no, there's no restriction on information. You can, I I remember as a parent when my kids were little thinking, oh, well, I better not let them watch South Park. Well, (laughs) they were watching it at their friend's house. You know, I mean, they're just exposed to so much more. They may not get it, but it's there. So it's, it's probably a harder job for parents to keep things because I know a lot of information for kids, if they don't understand it, can be terrifying. So maybe a parent's job is now a little more hands-on. The other day, I heard an 11-year-old say, I'm so socially conscious that I can't even enjoy movies anymore. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> that, These children okay. are woke. <laughs> no kidding. That's scary. But you know what? So when do they get to be kids? Exactly. So that now we're doing a lot of like not even preventative things, but we're doing like um, restorative measures where like they're needing the yoga and the meditation and the spiritual practice now. But then hopefully that's going to raise us a generation of more kind of emotionally and spiritually conscious youth as well. So. That is great. That's what the world needs, emotionally and spiritually more conscious people. Because basically, we're all the same, Mm -hmm. you know? We're all made up of the same stuff, and we need to learn to treat each other with respect and love. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. Yeah, so, okay, I'll get back to Edmonton. Edmonton in, well, I think Edmonton is a little cultural mecca on the prairies. It's got a great music scene. It has spawned so many great musicians. And there's still a lot going on. I mean, you can go out and hear live music every night of the week in Edmonton still. Wow. I had no idea. I had no idea either. Yeah. Well, and I was telling you about Ron and Lionel Rolt. I don't know Mm -hmm. if you're familiar with Michael Rolt. He's out of Toronto, I believe. And his sister Emily, that's Lionel's kids. And they were brought up in Edmonton. And they're both on the indie music scene as well. And, um, Home Shake is also from Edmonton. Okay. Calvin Love is from Edmonton. There's a lot. There's a lot of guys that uh, just did incredibly well. Alex Calder, he's out of Montreal, I think. Um, We've got such an incredible um, music scene in Canada. I was on. Oh. I was a guest on a on a music podcast based out of um, the U.S. And mm-hmm. he was asking me, so who are your favorite bands? Who do you hang out with? And I was all just naming Canadian, Canadian, Canadian. And he had no idea what I was talking about. And I was like, you know what? The Canadian music scene is so big. And in a way, it's so small, too, because we all know each other. Yeah. If you're in it, everybody yeah. knows uh, one another. Yeah. But it's rich. And it spans Absolutely. from the West Coast to the East all Coast the all the way. Like, there's some amazing things happening in Newfoundland. And yeah. there's some, oh, some yeah. amazing things happening up in Iqaluit. Um So they have their first... Um, um, record label, Akulik Music. Oh, wow. oh, that's amazing. That was started by a friend of mine in university when we were in a record co-op together. Now amazing. he's up in, yeah, in Nunavut with his wife and his family and his friends and they've started their oh, own record the label. label. incredible. That is, yeah, that's fantastic. That's good to hear. You know, it used to be that um, Canadian music didn't get recognized in Canada. You'd have to go to the States before anything would happen with your career. But it's not that way anymore. With the odd exception, like, um, uh, who was it, Backman Turner Overdrive and the Guess Who, those guys, Ian Tyson, people like that from uh, long ago, and and, um, Leonard Cohen and Joni Mitchell. Oh, I love her. She's great. She's she's one of my heroes. Yeah, me too. I think she was, that was one of the blue, yeah, it was one of the first albums I ever bought. Every song on that album is just, just. Yeah, it's amazing. She was an incredible, well, she still is an incredible artist, an incredible painter, a brave woman. You know, there were so many women that I thought were so stellar in rock and roll. Janis Joplin, I just loved her. She was just out there being herself. You know, I mean, it's tragic that that she died so young, but she was a brave gal. She had a lot of stuff to overcome, and she just mm-hmm. sang like nobody else. My, and Pat, hmm, sorry. 
and my father, he was like a massive Janis Joplin fan, and he oh. has this story about uh, going to see her, and he managed to get backstage, and he was like so excited to finally go up to her, and she was standing at the side of the stage, just out of view from the audience, and he started mm-hmm. to walk up toward her, and he noticed that she was like crying all alone. Oh. Yeah, and he didn't know if he should like go up or not, and he ended up not going because he just felt like he was gonna like, Intrude. yeah, and like intrude on this personal moment. But every time he tells that story, he gets like all misty eyed, and like I can tell he wants to go back and like give her a hug. And yeah, exactly. That's that's what the visual I had was he should have just gone up and put his arms around her. Because you, you know what, your when you're crying, that's all you need. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You don't need anybody to fix it. You just need somebody to hold you. Oh, I agree. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, no, she was she was an incredible performer, and. Uh, well, and Joni. I just love Joni Mitchell. But um, I'm trying to think of who else had big influence. Well, like I say, I was a Rolling Stones girl. I had every album of theirs. I loved, um, oh, the first the first rock concert I ever went to in Edmonton. We used to have amazing concerts in Edmonton, too. Um, the first one I went to in grade 8, grade oh, 7 or 8, was The Cream. Oh, Can you believe that? Yeah. <laughs> I know. That's yeah, amazing. the cream. I and I there saw were no age restrictions or anything. You could just go. Yeah, it was at the sales pavilion. You know where they used to auction off cattle. <laughs> <laughs> I went on the bus. You know because the cute guy in school told me I should go, so I did, and it was amazing, just absolutely amazing. And then they had a place in Edmonton called the Kinsman Fieldhouse. It's now a big gym, but they used to bring bands in. I saw. Uh, the birds opened for Led Zeppelin there. Oh my God! I know Frank Zappa and the Mothers, Aww. and yeah, the Turtles, Flo and Eddie. The Turtles were there. Um, lots of local. There were bands that would come up from Vancouver, like Black Snake, and uh, I saw Three Dog Night at the Sales Pavilion. Um, Mash McCann was a band out of Toronto too that was um, always touring back and forth and back and forth, and it was. Uh, yeah, it was quite the time. I mean, there were always shows going on, and kids did. I did wonder did... that. I did wonder, <sighs> um, you know, if you weren't in L.A. in the 60s and 70s, and you were going to shows, then, like, were these big were these big music shows still happening in Canada? Were they happening out in the prairies? And, and yeah, all yeah. Shows. I wouldn't have thought in Edmonton, like, that you actually had such a rich scene back then. That's amazing. Oh, because you've never heard no, about it. Was it was fantastic. It was really good. We had a promoter named Benny Benjamin, and he would bring all these, all the big acts up. I mean, they, they could get them in Vancouver. He made sure they made it all the way to Edmonton. Good. That's, that's fantastic, yeah. Yeah, and then, I mean, the scene has changed now. We get good names mm-hmm. in Edmonton. I saw Prince not too long ago, yeah, and I saw Bob Dylan last time he was through town, and the Stones, and, you know, so, I mean, the big names come through, come through, come through all the time. Awesome. It's a different scene. Yeah, for sure. When did you move from Edmonton to L.A.? Um, in the early 80s, my dad, um, oh, this is an interesting story. You can actually Google Mike DeMarco, One Arm Sax. And it's the story. Yeah, it's the story of my dad. He was a sax player who was diagnosed with cancer in his wrist. So he went in to get it removed, and he had also had cancer in one kidney. Oh. Well, when he woke up, he was missing his arm from the elbow down, oh his God. left arm. And he was left-handed and a sax player. Oh, so man. he was um, very depressed, and um, there were some guys doing some breakthrough work at the University of Alberta, and they developed the first sort of bionics to help him play saxophone. He had this cup that you fit over the uh, elect, uh, over the stump that had electrodes, and then it fed down into a lunchbox, and then more wires came up, and so depending on which electrode he uh, pressed with his stump, it would depress the keys on the oh. sax. Yeah, so anyway, um, there was a program called That's Incredible at the time, and they saw, they heard about him, and they came up and filmed him. They actually filmed him in my old apartment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
<laughs> part of for part of it. So he, um, yeah, that gave him his actor's card, and then he moved to L.A. And so I went down to hang out with him because I was going through a divorce, and uh, and yeah. I almost didn't get back into Canada because I didn't realize that you could only be gone for six months. If, yeah. So I stayed, I stayed a year and a half. <laughs> so that was, yeah. But it was, um, it was an incredible thing. He got to be an extra in lots of movies when he was down there and he did some playing uh, and he, he died in 85 from cancer. It did come back, but he had some incredible experiences for the last maybe Six, six, five or six years of his life. So That's it was good that he was able to continue his passion. Exactly, exactly. So that was kind of amazing. So that's why I moved to LA, and that was like, I guess, nineteen eighty one, eighty two, something like that. Did you get into the music scene while you were there? Um, not so much. I went to a few things that Dad was doing, and. Um, it was just, I, I did go to some clubs, the Palomino Club, um, and listen to bands, but I wasn't totally in the scene. I had to work. He moved, when I got there, then after, not, not too long after, he moved to San Ysidro, and then my sister came down to live with me, and I was basically just working and, um, you know, staying in my own little neighborhood, going out to the beach once in a while. We went to clubs and stuff, but I wasn't into it the way I was in Edmonton. Yeah, sometimes you just need a little break, too. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was running away from a bad marriage, so I just was kind of crazy. (laughs) So I just needed to go somewhere else to be crazy. Just get some sun and relax. Exactly. Get some sun, get some perspective. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And then I came came back to Canada and pretty much stayed in Edmonton after that uh, until I met Mac and Hake's father and... uh, then I lived in BC for a while because Mac was born in BC. He was born on Vancouver Island in a city called Duncan. And uh, we stayed here a year and a half, and then I went back to Edmonton again because I needed some support raising a family. He was not a very good, uh, not a responsible guy. He had some addiction issues, so. So then you just needed to go and be and just yeah, have some, be alone. some family yeah. support or be alone. And then kind of growing up, because you grew up in a musical household, you must have had music playing all of the yeah. time. I mean, I can just yeah, imagine did. that. Mm-hmm. Did you have a specific room in your house where no, where no, the, it was, music? Our, our kitchen was our, our dancing and our music room. <laughs> well, actually, was. there was an upstairs room that we used to have dance parties in when the boys were little. <laughs> um, but I also had stuff going on in the living room and the kitchen. So it was just kind of a household thing. And we listened to all kinds of stuff. I went through a bit of a country phase in the 90s that my children have almost forgiven me for, but not quite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I feel like that's but like you know a, nece- what? a necessity when you live in Edmonton for a while well no it was just you know what I was a soccer mom and they all like country music so I checked it out and we'd go to the country bars and they played that music so I got into it you know <laughs> I, um, I lived in Edmonton for three years growing up and you just described like my mother perfectly <laughs> <laughs> definitely the soccer mom definitely going to the country uh clubs and the jamboree yeah doing the line dancing and oh god uh, yeah i tried that for a little bit of time and then yeah i I mean i i have an appreciation for any kind of music so it was fine with me but the the boys didn't like it that much but uh but then once they got my mom i gave them lessons at alberta college because she was a teacher there for many many years a vocal teacher Mm. and um so she got mac into guitar and hank into drums and you know, that's that's sort of where Mac's career took off. Like, he just picked up the instrument, and he was a natural. And Hank was really good on drums, but his passion was ballet, which we he didn't even discover until high school. So, Like yours you know, growing up. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I loved, too. And I it didn't even dawn on me that he would go for that. But, yeah, um, he was in um, West Side Story. 
in high school. And his teacher recognized something in him. So he went to two years of ballet school in Edmonton and then two years of school with Alberta Ballet in Calgary. And now he's dancing with Nevada Ballet Theater in Las Vegas. And I'm going down to see him in Peter Pan. Oh, Agnes, that's so fantastic. Yeah, so that's in May. And then we're both flying back to Edmonton together. So, yeah, it's going to be fantastic. There's nothing like a relationship between sons and their mother. Like, I have two brothers, and I just see them, like, with my mom as well and the relationship and just the love that she has for them. And it really takes a strong smart you know woman to raise really great boys and so like wow (laughs) well and you know here's the thing kids don't come with instructions I didn't know (laughs) if I was doing anything right so you know because you don't know you you read what's popular at the time you listen to your friends and you go with your gut Mm. not everything is right for every child yeah, yeah, and and with boys being a single parent, by the time they're in their mid-teens, there's not really, you, you don't, you can't leverage control over somebody that's 16 years old and, and a foot taller than you are. It just doesn't work out so well. Right. <laughs> so you have to just um, hope that they, well, what I said to my kids was, you guys are smart and you're loving and I trust you. So go out there and if you make a wrong decision and you get in trouble, phone me because I'm right here. And they were good. Like, they didn't get into anything too terrible. They just went out and had fun and met people and pursued what they pursued. So I was very lucky. Oh, that's wonderful. My mom said similar stuff like that to us, and she was always there yeah. for us. We never had to lie. She knew no. we were good kids, and that, and like, we were going to try stuff. So just, like, let her know so that we can be safe. You know, our, our house at home, our door was never locked. I would wake up yeah. sometimes, and my brother's friends would be sleeping on my couch downstairs, and my brothers wouldn't be home. <laughs> but they yeah. knew that they needed a place to crash. You You're know what like I mean? The safe house yeah. or something? Yeah, my, my house was like, that too. Mm. It was well Mac Hank was a very solitary guy. He had like three friends. Mac traveled in a pack. He's a pack animal. He always had an entourage. And everybody was always welcome. It didn't matter to me. They could I you know eat, sleep over, do whatever you're gonna do. I'd rather know where you are and know you're safe. Exactly. And they appreciated that too. And yeah, the kids and I know that the kids who who's parents at home were yelling all the time or anything they'd come to our house and they'd chat with my mom and they'd they'd feel yeah like that they had another mother and that's so important to be yeah a mother too and a friend and all of us too absolutely yeah Mm -hmm. well I had my kids late I mean I was 36 and 39 so really um there was quite a big difference um it wasn't like one or two generations, it was several. And but it worked out for me. I was just calmer and it was great. And we are friends and I'm still friends with their their friends. When sometimes when kids come to Edmonton from Montreal or from Toronto or whatever, they'll come and knock on the door just to say hi, which I think is so wonderful. I love that. That's great. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. It's pretty, it's pretty great. It's, um, I've had some great opportunities, too, to get to know what's going on um, sort of in the global community of, of music. Because when, um, when Mac went to Australia in 2015, the guys that uh, run the Laneway Festival got a hold of me. Uh, it's um, Jerome and Danny Rogers, Jerome Barazio and Danny Rogers, and these guys are brilliant. They started this festival in an alleyway in Melbourne, and now it's um, all over Australia. It's in Singapore. I mean, it's huge, multi-city, and they fly all these people in, and they go from city to city to city, you know, playing these festivals. Um, and so I got to MC. Oh, yeah, oh that's amazing. It was such a blast i had the best time and that festival runs like a well-oiled machine they move from city to city all these musicians fly from city to city they have food there's there's no violence there's no trouble it's just an incredible thing that these guys do and um and so i got to 
to meet all kinds of musicians from the United States, from Canada. One guy that's out there right now, his name is Caribou. Are you guys familiar with Caribou? He's kind of like a synth-type yes. player. He when used to be called it, Manitoba. Yeah, when you say no, I'm saying yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. So he was one of the guys that was on that tour, but there were lots of Australians and um, some of the guys that, like Mac would do sideshows, so I got to meet some local groups as well. Oh, and it was those guys. Oh, it was amazing. It was just amazing. You know, sometimes... Sometime check it out. Google the Laneway Festival and check out some of the musicians that are on those bills. It's stunning. Because we're talking about, you know, Canadian, the Canadian musicians are really, you know, um, before that they relied on going to the States or it was just the American mm-hmm. bands. And then we think of it, you know what? There's Australian musicians making it happen, you yeah. know? Oh, yeah. And, and from sure. London. And the, what's cool about the way the world works now and how all these festivals are is that it brings all the musicians from other countries together and they travel together and get to know each other. I was just in LA with Mac and there were kids there that I had met in New York that uh, were musicians from New York that were in LA. There was a guy over there from London. There was a girl who was from Paris. You know, there were people that I had seen on the tour in Australia. So these musicians now move globally and just go where the music is best, where they can produce their videos and get their music known and tour. And it's incredible. It's just incredible. I was so surprised to see all these faces from Australia and New York in LA, (laughs) but I guess that's the way it works now. So, so it's no longer, it's no longer just about Canadian music. Mm-hmm. It's about global music because it's a huge community now mm-hmm. with a voice, you know? So you've been to a lot of shows like all over uh, Canada and Australia and the States. Do you notice a difference in the audience or like the fans or uh, is that also like a universal uh, same? You know what? I watched the kids at Laneway, and I watched the kids in Edmonton at, um, what's it called, Union Square, the last time Mac played, and I've watched people in some of the smaller clubs, and it's all the same. Even at the Blues Festival in Edmonton, which is an older crowd, Mm -hmm. it's the same thing. People just respond positively, you know. The, The kids in Australia were the same as the kids... In Edmonton. That's my favorite. When you go to a concert and you're standing beside people and they really just say, hey, like, ni- like nice to see you. We're having a great time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not, and it's not that attitude of I've been standing here for three hours so you can't stand beside me. Because I've been to shows where I've, um, like, I've never pushed anybody out of the way or anything, but I found myself maybe a little bit closer to the front or something. And just mm-hmm. the fact that I had just arrived there really pissed off some people and they were like, well, we were standing here for three hours. And I don't like that kind of attitude when it comes to uh, shows and to music. As long as everybody has enough room to stand yeah, and, and to, to dance, dance just, then yeah. let's all be It should be one. a positive experience yeah. for everyone. Yeah. Uh. yeah, I agree. Well, and part of the problem is that there's, like you say, with the ticket sales selling out boom like that, You're there right. maybe needs to be a couple of shows because it's... Uh, we want to get rid of the scalping, and we want everybody to be able to go to these things. We want them affordable and and safe. And Matt yes. does a lot of shows that are all ages, mm-hmm. because a lot of his fans are really young, you know? So it's it would be awful if you were 15 and had to wait till you were 18 to go see somebody that you idolized play a show. That would just be heartbreaking. So... I like the idea that there's all-age shows, that there's um, multiple kinds of venues that you can go to, and that there's a sense of inclusive um, participation. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it's all about, too, is and then getting in a room with that many people and then just feeling that buzz and that hum and that everybody's energy is just coming together. Uh, speaking yeah. of participation, uh, when did you start uh, interacting with fans on Twitter and uh, other social outlets? 
Well, what started, I guess when Max started getting some internet um, fame, his fans would Facebook me and ask to be my friend. And so I would say, oh, you love Max music? Great. So do I. Sure, I'll be your friend. And then if... And that just sort of snowballed because then I would always wish them happy birthday. And and then one time Mac was in Portugal playing a show and there were kids. It was my birthday and there were kids holding up signs that said happy birthday, Agnes. He phoned me. Oh, <laughs> these kids are all holding up these signs that says happy birthday to you. I'm like, oh, that's so sweet. So it just kind of started just... Because they reached out to me and I responded. And um, and then it's just gone on from there. And I guess, uh, well, now I, I do stuff with the fan club and I interact with Mac's manager quite a bit. And um, as far as Laneway, that came at me out of the blue. I, I wasn't expecting that. It, and it wasn't Mac that suggested it. It was these guys from Laneway, because I guess Max's manager was saying, oh, yeah, Max's mom does blah, 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 and she crowd surfed in New York, yeah. and it was really fun. Yes. <laughs> I've never done that before. but I've never was, done it before. I never have it's fun. I'm going to do gotta it. Be like, You've inspired yeah. me. This is our it was, yeah. Well, I was, I was 61 <laughs> at the time, and I had artificial hips just done not so long before that. But so if I can do it, Guess what? Time, you can do I, it. Yeah. We just video Skyped, and if you told me that you were in your early 50s, I would have been, but, hello. I'm, hello, I'm, six, I'm 63. No wow. way. I am. Yeah, I had my kids late, and but I've got, you know, a youthful spirit, I guess. Absolutely. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think you're always going to have that, and I think it's that spirit and that energy and the love and the fun that's really been attracting people to you and i'm so happy that we found you this me too me too i think this podcast is a great idea and like i say i will be more than happy to participate on any level you want me to and yeah we're gonna come back and we'll check in with you yeah we'll see yeah what kind of concerts you've been to and who you're listening to and you can be a rock and roll journalist with us (laughs) that Uh, sounds amazing podcaster I'll say that I didn't tell a whole lot of people that um, that we were doing this with you because I wanted it to be a surprise and uh, but I did tell a few people I went to um, a party on Friday night for my friend's record label they were putting it on at this swanky kind of place I'd never been before and I uh-huh. had such a tough week that I I bought and drank a twenty dollar martini in like three and a half minutes. So at one point, my body and my brain were like, "Peace." <laughs> they just took a vacation from each other. But I had I forget who it was that I was talking to, but I told them about this and uh, that that we were going to be speaking soon. And they came at me with all these questions. Oh, what about when Max sings this line? Ask her what what she thinks about uh, this line here. And what about this one and this one and this one and I couldn't like I couldn't remember it if my life depended on it at this point. But that's the beauty of a twenty dollar martini. <laughs> you know what? Martini. His music affects me profoundly. The first time I heard Blue Boy, I wept. Oh. And it wasn't even about himself. It was about Mac writes about whatever's happening in his world to his friends. Uh, you know, it's not always about himself. Mm-hmm. but it's about what he's experiencing in his life mm-hmm. and through his friends and in the scene. So, um, you know, it's, uh, yeah. I, if there's a line that somebody wants to ask me about, they're welcome to, cause I, I wouldn't hold back. I, Oh, that's awesome. I know my, yeah. my brother had lost, but I was like, you know what? I don't think we'll get into that kind of specific stuff. However, mm-hmm. like now that we're starting to get listener emails and questions and things like that, and people are really starting to interact as well, then we can open that up and we can say, if there's anything that, that you would like to know about Agnes, about Hank, about the yeah. music scene, that well, we can call you, you know the song Cheryl? Yeah. That's about his grandma. Aww. That's about my mom. 
I know. know. With Cheryl and you and his badass manager and Kira, he seems to be surrounded by some pretty badass women. Influential badass women. Yeah, that guy doesn't stand a chance. No, we all love him. We all encourage him. He's got a brilliant talent and he's a a loving, wonderful guy. So, yeah, he's had, well, and be. When he was growing up, I have two sisters, and that's who was around, and my mom. So, you know, he's always been surrounded by a tribe of women. Mm. You know, it's, it's not a bad way to go. It's no. not, and he really is a talent, and um, yeah. I've been a fan of him ever since I've known about him. I know that my family really likes him as well, um, all of our friends. And, and truly, I think that he is one of the biggest baddest best musicians artists voices of our generation yeah absolutely yeah yeah he's really rocketed he's uh he's opened the doors for people too and that's uh what i love about mac too is that like the guy that's playing keyboards with him john lent john lent is from edmonton they were friends as teenagers oh i love when that so mac looks mac looks after his homeboys you know Mm -hmm. and gives them a let i mean i just I just think that's so sweet. Anyway. <laughs> it's probably He's positive for head. him, too, to, like, keep him grounded and remember, you know, it's about family and friends and, you know. Yeah, exactly. Positive. He's not, um, he, he's not an egomaniac. Like, he's quite, he, he's, he recognizes that he's had very good success, but he doesn't count on it being a forever thing, and he's quite humble. I feel like you can tell. You can tell when you see him, you know, singing and dancing and just having a blast. Yeah. 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 Now, if they all could just be like that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, variety is the spice, you know? (laughs) See, that's why you're so wise. You're going to be our wise rock and roll oracle. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Right. Oh, thank you. You knew my life would end up that I'd be. Uh, a rock and roll oracle. That is just so funny, but it kind of makes sense in a way. So there you go. Yeah, you were, you were raised. It's from birth. I, and yeah, it's just now you have groupies. Yes. That's okay. Well, I, 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 yeah, I do, which you is kind totally of funny. Do. Yeah, that's okay. I, I'll be nice to my groupies. <laughs> You've got fans for sure, and um, and they yeah. love you. Yeah. Just like well, I do. love them too. I mean, <laughs> these people really get to my heart because they tell me stuff that's so personal and ask me questions about, they ask me for advice on their lives, some of these kids, and I find that really touching. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, Oracle. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. But I'd, mean- have to, I'd have to be the dancing Oracle because I'm that chick at every concert and every show that's the first one up on the dance floor me too that's us okay perfect always have been always will be you have to be Mm -hmm. the one that starts it that 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 gives the message to other people that it's okay yeah come out the water's fine yeah exactly (laughs) are you sure you're not my kids (laughs) we might be (laughs) (laughs) okay then (laughs) great yeah, you got to come to Toronto sometime and go dancing with us. And I would love to. And I would absolutely love to. we'll have to check to. out this music scene in Edmonton as well because we definitely want to take this podcast on the road. We want to be meeting our dolls and our, I just heard this word for the first time, crone. Mm-hmm. Have, you heard, have you heard that word? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So the, just the very wise, you know, like woman that we all look up to that is just so so close it's just just divine she's divine and so I'm really looking forward to getting to know everybody more and um and having some times together and just really bringing together going dancing going to see some music and just um that would be so fabulous and uh there's a woman I have to introduce you to in Edmonton that is stellar as well Sandra Sparunas has been writing on these as a matter of fact I'm going to text her and tell her that maybe you guys need to talk to her, too. She's unreal. That would be so wonderful. Any kind of, um, yeah, we have to follow these 
these spiritual guidance. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll definitely and talk we love to her. like connecting with other strong, amazing women who are, you know, going out there and living life and having fun. And it's about damn time that I explored the west coast of Canada. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, you're welcome anytime. Thank you, Agnes. Um, and you're definitely amused to us, Agnes. Yep. No, thanks. You, are. you guys, <laughs> I feel kind of. Huh. I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm just an old gal that loves music, essentially, and loves people. So that's that's pretty much it. Amen, sister. <laughs> <laughs> well, Agnes, before we say goodbye, um, is there uh, is can you tell um, the people who are just either hearing from you for the first time or who now definitely want to check you out, where can they find you online? I am on Facebook, Agnes DeMarco. I am on Twitter. Um, and yeah, just Agnes DeMarco. I'm also on, yeah, Agnes DeMarco. I'm also, you can also write to me uh, if you want to join Max Fan Club. Um, I'm, I'm the one who corresponds with the kids on Max Fan Club. So there's, you can join for free or you can pay to be a disciple. So either way, up to you. And that would be Agnes at Mac-DeMarco.com. Fantastic. We will put all of those up in the show notes and in the links. Hey, Perfect. (laughs) Thank you so much, Agnes. This has just been the best conversation. Yeah. It's been my pleasure. You guys are really fun. And I just look forward to talking to you again. So I will um, make notes on some of the stuff that I'm seeing around Western Canada. And then I'll be ready to give you some good, solid information. Oh, wonderful. Perfect. That's awesome. Thank so, you. Okay. Until well, the next time. Until next time, rock on, ladies. Rock Rock on, on, Agnes. Okay. Okay. And thank you, everybody, for listening. You can find us, um, Muses and Stuff Podcast. We have Twitter now. Yes, we do. um, Because I was like, I'm not doing it. And Lynx was like, I will do it. So we're at um, Shanti and Lynx. Um, but if you just look up Muses and Stuff on Twitter, you'll find us. And, of course, on Facebook, Muses and Stuff Podcast, Instagram, Muses and Stuff Podcast. And feel free to send us an email if you have a groupy story of your own or any questions or any kind words to share, musesandstuff at gmail.com. Until next week, everybody, thank you so much. And thank take you. Care. Bye. Hello, friends. This is Mark Nell, executive producer of the Table Read podcast, where imagination meets performance. As we wrap up an incredible season one, we want to take a moment to express our heartfelt gratitude to each and every one of you who tuned in and supported us on this amazing journey. Season one was nothing short of extraordinary. We delved into captivating scripts that transported us to worlds beyond our imagination, thanks to the brilliant writers who delivered these works. But what really brought these stories to life were the talents of our amazing actors. But wait, the excitement doesn't end there. As we bid farewell to season one, we are thrilled to announce the launch of season two. Get ready for more gripping narratives, more unforgettable characters, and more mesmerizing performances that will keep you on the edge of your seat. We have some big surprises coming. The Force will definitely be with you. So stay tuned, stay engaged, and most importantly, stay excited. From all of us at the Table Read Podcast, thank you, and let's make season two even more memorable together.